It's time. We are not called to be nice. Sandy Rios, welcome Sandy, thanks for being here. We are often called to be confrontational. And here with me in DC is Fox News contributor, Sandy Rios. You and you still like me or you or you don't like me, James? Are you okay? You all right? <laughs> I'm a musician, I can't help it. Uh, longtime Fox News contributor, Sandy Rios, thanks very much for being with us. We have, I think it's four to one youth in America wants gay marriage. Our kids are the product of public schools. No wonder they poll the way they do. It's time to stand up or we're going to lose everything we have. Director of Governmental Affairs for the American Family Association. Step up, speak up, say something, do something. This isn't a game. This is real life. Cindy Rios is with the American Family Association. A pro-life radio talk show host. Some things are worth fighting for. Uh, that was just a few-second clip in a tweet uh, of the Kabul airport yesterday when thousands of people were descending on it trying to get out uh, in fear of their lives and rightful fear because we know that the Taliban is beheading, killing people as they go, all the while posing in the palace, uh, pretending as though they're going to do some peaceful uh, transition of power. That's an absolute lie. Meanwhile, our president is on vacation at Camp David. We saw a picture yesterday of him sitting at a table by himself with a little notepad, no national security advisors, no one around him, and someone that I know pointed out that on the screen was one of the, uh, one of the secret locations in, in uh, Afghanistan, which would put people at risk, but obviously Biden didn't realize that, and neither did his photographer, and he had an empty room and no advisors. Meanwhile, Kamala Harris tweeted yesterday to be sure and get vaccinated. That was what was on her mind and so you can see, ladies and gentlemen, that we are in good hands with this administration. And, of course, that's sarcasm. And uh, to join me this morning to talk about the tragedy that is uh, befalling us, both as Americans and also our Afghan allies, uh, as people are losing their lives. The southern border, by the way, uh, is overrun, and we know that many of them are uh, we know that a significant amount of them, a significant percentage, one is too many, uh, terrorists are coming across the southern border. So we are in trouble as a country. We are in trouble. Lieutenant Colonel Tony Schaefer with the London Center, who has a, I think I first met Tony when he was uh, right after 9-11, actually. And I've asked him to join us this morning because of his knowledge and previous involvement in that part of the world. Tony, thanks for joining us this morning. Thanks for having me. I uh, enjoy joining you. I'm sorry it's such a, a horrible discussion issue, set of discussion issues we have to go through to this morning. So. Really? Isn't that the truth? Hey, Tony, before, we, yeah. before I ask you just some practical questions and just let you tell, tell us what you know about what's happening there, uh, give, us an, give us an idea, give our, my listeners an idea of your involvement uh, at the time uh, that we were involved sure. in Afghanistan. Please. Okay. So uh, people can read about it. Uh, I wrote a book, Operation Dark Heart. It was a New York Times bestseller 10 years ago. Uh, it covered my uh, two tours in Afghanistan, plus I commanded an operating base that was um, chasing terrorists in, in Africa early in uh, in the war, 2002-2003. And the book covers 2002-2003-2004. And in the book, I, I talk about um, our changing because I actually confronted uh, Lieutenant General David Barno in a, in a chapter in the book. I outlined this confrontation where uh, he made the call to move us from offensive operations uh, and chasing after the Taliban into Pakistan into nation-building, into this uh, counterinsurgency mode, which resulted in our staying there forever. And so I had some direct experience with that, plus... Uh, 
I do discuss uh, the path to victory. The last chapter is my uh, belief in the set of things we had to do, which, by the way, Mike Pompeo, my friend Mike, the former Secretary of, uh, of State and Director of CIA, was actually following. As a matter of fact, I actually uh, spoke with Mike last year during uh, the move to establish a path forward to take us out of Afghanistan at the same time leave a secure country behind. So we'll talk about that, I'm sure, a little bit today, too. Yeah, anyway, so that's, that's your background. That's how you know. That's, that's how yeah, you... Plus, uh, well, plus, I actually advised one of the chairmen of the Joint Chiefs uh, when he was commander of ISAF uh, in Afghanistan uh, in the earlier this decade, too, last decade. So anyway, so I've, I've, done, a, I've, I've done a few things in this area. So Yeah, yeah I believe so. All right. Uh, I could look. We could throw a lot of mud, and I'm in the mud. I could just strangle. Actually, mud would not be hard enough to to see what's happening, and the fecklessness of our current leadership. But let's before we even do that, because I, I want to do that. It should be done. Uh, I want to talk about the nuts and bolts because uh, President Trump was also going to withdraw us from Afghanistan, and as you know, Joe Biden is blaming him for what's happening. Uh, that's right. what's happened these final days. What exactly is the difference from your perspective of Donald Trump's, maybe there is no difference, his plan to withdraw us from with, uh, Afghanistan and what has been executed this past week? Well, it's huge. So the plan with Mike Pompeo, the one that Mike Pompeo had established that was agreed upon was a, a conditions-based withdrawal. That is to say that we had achieved, Sandy, an agreement with all parties for the transition of our leaving. And that included uh, the Afghan government and Taliban, uh, obviously, but more importantly, the tribes and warlords. You don't do anything in that part of the world with getting the buy-in and cooperation of those warlords who actually run Afghanistan. And that was the key thing that Mike had done, is brought them into the conversation. Uh, the Biden plan was to throw out the Trump plan. There was no plan. What he did, Sandy, was a, when he came into office, they dismantled everything that Trump had agreed upon. And one of the big things about the Trump plan versus the Biden plan is the date of 1 May. 1 May was the agreed-upon date that we would leave Afghanistan. We would essentially move our forces out, allow for essentially a merging, if you will, of all of the elements I just mentioned, the Taliban uh, would start working directly with the government. The government would work with all these other entities. The government was never going to sustain itself. That's absolutely correct. Uh, everybody knew that. Even I mean, Biden's denial of that fact shows. Uh, you know, there was a video of him about a month ago saying, "Oh no, it'll never fall." If he didn't understand the government was going to fall, then there's something wrong. And the idea was to allow for the government to exist within the context of these other entities because it would never stand on its own. We knew that. So that was the issue. The key is that uh, Trump and Pompeo had, had achieved the word. They'd gotten the word of all of these, uh, these mullahs, these uh, leaders, that they would allow for this essentially peaceful merging, this uh, tapestry to come together. And Sandy, the moment Joe Biden broke the agreement, and this was agree, this is an agreement. They everybody signed this agreement. Uh, the moment that agreement was broke, all bets were off, and that's why you saw two mistakes Biden made result in Tali the Taliban sweeping over the country. The, the first one was his breaking the one May event. 
the moment he did that, Sandy, the moment that happened, uh, the Taliban went to all of the warlords and all the tribal leaders saying, look, see, the Americans can't be trusted. You need to give us your fighters. So that's why the Taliban went from 75,000 to about a half a million in about a month. Mm. Uh, and by the way, this was predictable. This was, this was, this was forecast by a lot of folks I know. Uh, people, we watched this and it's like, this is, this is not going to go the way it's supposed to. And the second thing that Biden did, and this I think is the tragedy of it, he pulled all of our forces out prematurely. Uh, he shut down Bagram. Bagram was going to be essentially our stay behind. Bagram, which I served a lot of time at, was going to be our forward base to conduct uh, what I think we still should be conducting, offensive operations using special operations forces and intelligence collection. That's it. Uh, by the way, Sandy, that's the mission we should have maintained and sustained after 2004, uh, simply allowed for the Afghan people uh, the, the warlords to sort their own issues out. Uh, to that point, the moment we decided that we were going to pick the Afghan government and be the Praetorian Guard for it is the moment we started be- becoming attacked by the Taliban and other elements. It was a huge mistake. Uh, and I said so at the time when it happened. But the point being is that we were going to return to our offensive operations, which everybody says we should be doing. We should be maintaining our ability to go after uh, these groups who pop up, Milley, just Mark Milley, who has as many problems as I have with him, even briefed members of Congress over the weekend, that uh, he believes there's going to be a resurgence of al-Qaeda and other radical groups that want to launch operations from there. So why on earth, Sandy, would you shut down a base of operations that you ran and owned that could keep secure uh, and leave? Well, Biden did that. Biden decided on his own that he was going to shut down uh, the base. He was going to shut down Bagram and stop, before we're even out of there, our ability to launch internal operations to protect our people or uh, the, uh, the continue the intelligence gathering and special operations we know we have to do. So that's it. Those are the two big mistakes. He, left, he pulled us out of the agreement, broke the 1 May deadline, which allowed for the Taliban to say, hey, we need to go after these people. We need to, you need to give me your resources. And then he pulled us out before we were ready to leave. Those are the two big mistakes, which are obvious, uh, that we all see from from his his incompetence. So, and the human cost of that, uh, already already mentioned, as you well know, Tony, the Taliban is big on beheading and cutting off hands and uh, beating women and shooting them and taking women for their wives. And this is happening already. But my understanding also is because of the way this has been handled, our equipment, all of our equipment. Uh, I'm not even sure how much they managed to destroy oh. in the embassy. Could yeah. say something about no. that. The- so yeah, we had uh, the, I, again. It's something I was not for, but we had decided that we were going to train and equip the Afghan force to essentially a, a peer level. Let's say, Sandy, some genius at the Pentagon said, "Oh no, we gotta we gotta make these people just you know give them a great M1 tanks and." new airplanes, helicopters, and all the modern weaponry. A lot of us argued that's, first off, not the wisest thing to do. You don't want to leave that stuff over there in case a situation like this develops. We said it was a bad idea. Why don't we equip them with the old Soviet stuff that they're used to? Uh, and, by the way, they, they, they can use. The, you know, uh, I, I'm not gonna, I'm, this, this is, I don't want to make this a prejudicial statement, but the Afghan uh, average male, 
is not all that smart. They don't have an education system. When, when somebody gets recruited to be in the, the Afghan army, you basically had to take them from a, a kindergarten level because a lot of these folks couldn't even read or write. So giving them, giving them 21st century technology, Sandy, was never a good idea. But we were shouted down. Oh, we don't know what we're talking about, uh, and this, that, and the other. And so we argued, now give the old Soviet equipment that they're used to from the Soviet war, the old Russian stuff. It's it's not as good as ours, but it's durable, and they can use it, and that's good enough, and they wouldn't do that. So now we have $88 billion of training and equipment that's been left behind. We have warehouses full of Humvees. We have hangars full of airplanes. We literally have armories full of some of the most sophisticated small arms we've ever had as a military, all left behind. Uh, and again, and, this was a choice. Uh, yeah. Well, it's just this just makes you shudder uh, because we know the ending of this, at least the middle part of this, is going to be more bloodshed and it's going to be happening here. And I want to talk about that too because Bagram is where they held all uh, something like five to seven thousand hardcore. Uh, right, the background, uh, the, the detention facility, right. I've been and, and they've released them all, right? Right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We had in those facilities ISIS prisoners and uh, al-Qaeda prisoners. And, yeah, they've been all been released. So, and then I want to also talk, I, there's so many things, Tony, this morning I have to just confess to you, yep. my mind is exploding because I've got, you know, like um, not like you, but similar to you, I have so many sources and they're giving me stuff that I, that is just amazing, like... I, I heard that the Afghan troops were actually told out of Kabul, I don't know who, that they should stand down. So that's one of the reasons why they didn't fight. And I read that the, um, that the, uh, um, uh, the Taliban was actually surprised at how quickly they were able to uh, overcome everyone and take over the whole country. Do you know anything about that? Uh, I, I Well, there's <laughs> the problem right now, Sandy, is it. No one is in charge, and no one knows who's yeah. really pulling this all together. I, yeah. I'm watching videos right now of the C-17 uh, being overwhelmed at uh, uh, Karzai International Airport. Oh. Nobody's in charge. That's the problem. Nobody knows what's going on. Nobody actually has established a, a plan for this. So wh- what you're seeing here is, you know, uh, I, I know over the weekend... The administration kept saying, this is not Saigon, this is not Saigon. The more they say it, the more we know it's Saigon, but I think right. it's even worse. Because the fact is, if you look at the pictures, uh, people are literally, instead of having people orderly on an orderly line getting on helicopters to get off an embassy, you have people uh, trying to get on airplanes and, and crowding the airplanes. This is more like that scene in, in World War Z, uh, and when the... When the uh, the zombies overrun the Israeli airport. That's what it looks like. And the reason this is happening, Sandy, is because uh, the Secretary of Defense, uh, Lloyd Austin, who, by the way, I served under, he was a Brigadier General when I was there in 2003. I served under him. He awarded me my Bronze Star. Uh, Lloyd Austin has lost all understanding of what's going on. Mark Milley, uh, and I guess he was more focused on his white rage than, than actually trying to manage military operations, has no idea what's going on. So we don't know any given time who's in charge, what the orders are, or what the outcome's going to be, because we, we have arbitrarily tried to resend back in, without a plan, 6,000 troops. 
Uh, and so I'm a, again, I'm a bit familiar with military operations since I've uh, advised. Uh, I've been involved in uh, the actual events, uh, been on air assaults, and actually advised people on how to do them. Uh, I have never seen anything more badly run than what I'm seeing right now relating to the, the attempt to get uh, people safely out of Kabul. I don't want to take any of our precious time playing clips, but I have a million of them. And one of them that I would pull up if I wanted to take the time was uh, Pentagon Chief of Staff Mark Milley uh, talking about, you know, uh, critical race theory and how important it was. And that's what they've been focusing on. Then Lloyd Austin talking about, you know, uh, the racism in the military and dividing people in groups and implementing critical race training. That's what they've been doing. That is what right. they have been doing, Tony. I saw somebody sardonically ask if they were going to send, you know, make sure they had a, a complete racial background, uh, 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 racial parity, whatever, fairness in the troops they're going to send over into heaven knows what, because where are they even going to land? What kind of support structure? Someone said it could be just complete slaughter. What, what, what are your thoughts about that? So, no, this is the thing. We, we, we don't know how much, if anything, the Taliban's going to hold back. And, um, uh, I, look, I'm personally surprised they've moved this fast. I thought they would hold back a little bit and do this uh, taking over on the 9-11 anniversary just to rub salt in them, but Taliban didn't want didn't to do that. So what we have now is essentially the Taliban rolling in to establish centers of gravity, which is communications, uh, government buildings, and military facilities, so that's what they're going to do first. Before they start murdering, they're going to start getting control. That's what they're doing. And, and, and Kandahar is a great place to get an understanding of what they're doing. They, they're doing, going after those three things I just mentioned, Sandy, and they're telling people, we're coming back to get you. Like they've gone to all the, the Christian religious leaders and others, and they're saying, yes, yeah, we know where you live. We're going to come back for you. And that's what they're going to do. I mean, yeah. uh, that's what they're doing. They're, they're very evil, but they're very, they're very precise in their smart. Evil, Sandy. They they're know what smart. They're doing. Yes, I know. I yeah. think a lot of times we've had this conversation before. People think because of the way they dress and because they do come from a different time and place, they do uh, that they're somehow dumb, but they're not. They're no. they're smart like foxes, and they they understand completely. Let me say um, this is interesting, and, and another black mark against the Biden administration. I am reading from insiders here that. Uh, the Biden administration is claiming to ramp up evacuations, but military evacuations are actually getting canceled. And they're sending people messages. And now Tom Cotton and others are stepping in and saying, if you are trapped in Afghanistan, get in touch with our office and we will get you out. So that other people outside of the federal government are trying to come to the rescue of various people stranded. I've got a whole bunch of letters and stories uh, not just Afghanis, but Americans stranded there. Our American ambassador, of course, left. The British ambassador, as I understand it, is staying. Uh, but I want to remind people that the U.S. Embassy of Kabul most recently is flying the rainbow flag and then the Black Lives Matter flag. And, and this is what they tweeted recently. The month of June is recognized as LGBTI Pride Month. The United States respects the dignity and equality of LGBTI people and celebrates their contributions to society. This is what they're doing in Kabul. That's what the embassy was doing. That is, uh, that's just like someone said, Tony, I think it was really well put. This is like Alice in Wonderland leadership. Yeah, so yeah, I was actually on the phone with a, uh, a three-letter agency, uh, network correspondent who's a close friend, and we were talking about this yesterday. And she asked me, it's like, what do you make of this? I said, well, I make of it, as I have seen from every uh, Democrat 
regime. Uh, they they manage and lead from a position of wishful thinking. Everything they do, Sandy, is wishful thinking. They have no ability to actually uh, watch a situation, judge it for what needs to be done, and do it. Uh, it's because they, they basically do everything they can uh, through a political lens and will not do anything that uh, would benefit the American people. And it's just that simple. I don't, want, I don't mean to oversimplify, but that's what it is. Everything they do is based on wishful thinking. Uh, they act as if their desires and emotions are fact. And that's why Biden picked the people he did. As you point out, Lloyd Austin, uh, he kept Mark Milley so they could do this touchy-feely, oh, you know, anybody who disagrees with us is a racist. Uh, you know, we do, need to do all this training. That's why you have Tony Blinken, uh, to, you know, lying about how bad things are. And John Kirby, I know John Kirby. John, you know, on Saturday saying Kabul's not falling after it's already falling. Because these people live in an alternate universe, and because they are so detached from the, the facts and reality we face, they have no ability to manage things in the real world. And I, 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 I know that sounds crazy, but that's what it is. They really don't know what they're doing. Uh, and when they do something like this, it becomes completely obvious their level of incompetence. And I compared this to Joe Biden having hired the high school debating team to be his staff and advisors on the situation. Tony Schaefer is my guest, Lieutenant Colonel Tony Schaefer, and of course he's the author of, uh, not what I quit, Dark, I can't think of the name of the book, Tony. Dark, Operation Dark Heart. Dark Heart. Operation Dark Heart, how could I forget that? Yeah. Uh, and we're going to take a short break, and when we come back, Tony, I want to ask seriously, as we, uh, two things. I was thinking, as you were talking about the, the military brass, uh, the fecklessness of the things that they have done, and what you think that's going to lead to, if there'll be any correction. You guys can start the, the music, if you please. And uh, also, I want to talk to you about just the, the real consequences on, on us here in the United States. Sure. Uh, Devin, could you please run the music for a break? We're going to take thank you. <laughs> okay, there it is. All right, Tony, we're kind of messing with our clock this morning, and we're out of order. So uh, we're going to break, and we'll... Okay, thanks for being patient. We'll come right back, and I do want to play a couple of those clips and get your response. Sure. Uh, we'll come back with the one where Joe Biden um, just makes a fool of himself a few weeks ago. Uh, it's, I'm not sure. In a normal world, he could never recover from this. But this is not a normal world. It is a lot more like Alice in Wonderland. This is Sandy Rios in the morning on AFR Talk. In His Image, delighting in God's plan for gender and sexuality is changing hearts and lives. It speaks directly to the power and the grace of God. It gives me hope for people that I know that are struggling. The whole idea of In His Image has moved me. 
We actually had one gentleman contact us and he said that this film changed his mind about this issue. We had a pastor reach out to us and he said that he'd been struggling with hatred in his heart towards people in the LGBTQ community. And this film helped him to realize he needed to have compassion and show people the love of Christ. We also had this same-sex attracted couple contact us and they said after seeing the film, they wanted to live obedient lives for Christ no matter what. And they said, please pray for us. We know this is going to be hard. We've even had people come to faith in Jesus through In His Image. To find out more, visit inhisimage.movie. This is Pause to Pray, a chance to stop down from the daily noise of life and pray for our country's leaders. Today we pray for Dr. Eric Lander, Director of the Office of Science and Technology Policy. He works to ensure that the United States can harness the full power of science and technology on behalf of the American people. Proverbs 14.15 reminds us of the importance of acquiring knowledge. The simple believes everything, but the prudent gives thought to his steps. Right now with this in mind, let's pray together. Dear Heavenly Father, we ask you to guide Eric Lander as he works to advance science and technology in this country. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Pause to Pray is a service of this station and the Presidential Prayer Team, a nonprofit, nonpartisan ministry dedicated to encouraging prayer for our nation's leaders. To learn more, go to pausetopray.org. Hello, Americans. I'm Todd Stern. Stand by for news and commentary next. No matter your career goals, you want to find a university that provides excellent academics and state-of-the-art facilities at a price you can afford. At Liberty University, they believe a quality Christian education should be available to everyone. That's why they've frozen their tuition rates through the 2021-2022 academic year and offer multiple scholarships, like the Middle America Scholarship, to bring that price point even lower. Learn more by texting STARNS to the number 49596. Remember what the medical experts told us when the China virus first became national news? They needed to shut down the country for two weeks to flatten the curve. That was it, two weeks. So we all agreed to follow the advice of the experts. Two weeks became four weeks, then became six, and now nearly two years later, we are on the verge of yet another shutdown. Instead of herd immunity and flattening the curve, the medical experts are telling us we have to get vaccinated, even though we know the vaccine in many cases is not working. New York City is implementing a vaccine passport. If you don't show your papers, you won't be able to get a slice down at John's Pizza on Bleecker. And we are on the verge of yet another possible shutdown, sacrificing our freedom on the altar of public safety. The virus did not kill liberty. We the people did. Be sure to order a copy of my new book, Our Daily Biscuit, available right now at ToddSterns.com. Don't forget to connect with Sandy Rios in the morning on Facebook or email Sandy at Sandy at AFR.net. That's Sandy at AFR.net. Sandy Rios in the morning on American Family Radio. Is a Taliban takeover of Afghanistan now inevitable? No, it is not. Because you have the Afghan troops at 300,000 well-equipped, as well-equipped as any army in the world, and an air force against something like 75,000 Taliban. It is not inevitable. Mr. President, thank you very much. Your own intelligence community has assessed that the Afghan government will likely collapse. That is not true. 
Is it, can you please clarify what they have told you about whether that will happen or not? That is not true. They did not, they didn't, did not reach that conclusion. What is the level of confidence that they have that it will not collapse? The Afghan government and leadership has to come together. They clearly have the capacity to sustain the government in place. And do you see any parallels between this withdrawal and what happened in Vietnam with some people feeling? None whatsoever. Zero. What you had is you had entire brigades breaking through the gates of our embassy. Six, if I'm not mistaken. The Taliban is not the the North Vietnamese army. They're They're not remotely comparable in terms of capability. There's going to be no circumstance where you see people being lifted off the roof of a embassy in the, of the United States from Afghanistan. It is not at all comfortable. So the question now is, where do they go from here? That the jury is still out. But the likelihood there's going to be the Taliban overrunning everything and owning the whole country is highly unlikely. I just wanted you to hear that. That was President Joe Biden promising just a few weeks ago that uh, nothing to see here. There will be no helicopters lifting out people from the American embassy, and that's exactly what's happening right now. By the way, President Biden is supposed to address the nation in a few days, they're saying, in a few days. Not tonight, not while people are, um, you know, screaming and clutching to their lives and begging for help to get out, not tonight. Uh, but in a few days, he'll get around to it. I, I, as I understand, the press secretary's on vacation. In fact, we saw him in that empty room at Camp David by himself with a notepad. No staff whatsoever yesterday. I want to just remind you, put this in con- context, we've been in Afghanistan for 20 years. We went in immediately after 9-11 of tw- 2001. 2,312 Americans have been killed in action. We have roughly 20,000 wounded We've spent over $900 billion and a lot more. Uh, Tony Schaefer, Lieutenant Colonel Tony Schaefer of the London Center, author of Operation Dark Heart, is my guest. Uh, Tony, that must make you feel sick at your stomach when you think about the human cost. Just say a word about that as a veteran of that conflict. Oh, it does. Look, um, part of the mistakes we made, Sandy, as you point out, was in the time we stayed, was to essentially uh, go in with the righteous justification of the 9-11 attacks. And when I was there in my first tour, we were welcomed. The Afghan people understood uh, that we were attacked, and the Taliban helped al-Qaeda do that. So we were there on a righteous cause, and they understood that. Uh, We were allowed to do the work we had to, and the Afghan people loved us. What changed was... When we became essentially, as I mentioned before, the nation builders uh, of trying to tell the Afghan people what government to have, to create Hamid Karzai and that whole fiction of the Afghan government. By the way, that that whole Afghan government folded (laughs) in a week. We just saw that. It was never real. And so the, the reason it wasn't real is because the Pentagon, State Department, CIA, we're lying to the American people about how effective the nation-building was. That's an entire different issue, but it's something, Sandy, we have to examine. Why was, was the American people lied to? Why did people like Joe Biden uh, lie to us? Why did Barack Obama lie to us? 
Uh, and I believe Trump was lied to by the people who were committed to the lie. I don't blame President Trump on this. But this lie has resulted in our loss of $1 trillion of treasure and thousands of American lives, not to mention the Afghan lives as well. So the tragedy is we've had men and women serve, serve in uniform, go to Afghanistan to fight the good fight, and you have to give them all credit. I was talking to a retired uh, four-star general yesterday about this. Uh, you need to give credit where credit is due. The men and women sign up to do the hard work of defending the nation. They had no idea about how big a lie was going on behind them, about this whole uh, fiction of a Afghan government that they were developing in an Afghan build, a military they were building, 300,000, as Joe Biden says. They were never real. It was all a facade. And the Army, uh, Air Force, Navy, the Joint Forces funded it, knowing full well it was never going to be able to be sustained because it wasn't, and, and it wasn't something the Afghan people wanted. And like uh, Boyd Austin even said, well, you, you can't, you can't uh, buy will. No, you can't. The will was never there. But uh, the people who served there didn't know that. They served in their own way, trying to distinguish themselves to protect our freedom from terrorism. And that should have been primary mission to continue the offensive counterterrorism operations that we went in there for. That should have been our, our sole focus, to defend our equities and keep killing terrorists and stop trying to make uh, Kabul into Minot, North Carolina. So it's sad that we saw uh, over two generations, essentially, uh, men and women having to go into that, our longest war ever, to fight uh, to defend the United States just to see it all evaporate literally in less than four weeks because of the fact is you had the Pentagon brass. Uh, Eisenhower called it the military-industrial complex, or you had this unholy alliance between members of Congress, corporations, and the military brass. And oh, by the way, Jenny Sandy, where, where do all the generals go when they retire? They go to these big defense corporations. I would argue uh, most of that money I just mentioned was not spent in Afghanistan. It was spent in defense corporations here in the United States. Uh, and uh, I think, sadly, that's what that's what resulted in so much tragedy regarding the lost lives because I've been here far too long. I think so, too. Um, Tony, thanks. I really appreciate you joining us this morning. Last minute, too. I called you last night late, and I really do appreciate it. And I'm sure a big part of your heart is vested in this. It's just, it's just heart-wrenching to see the decay and the destruction. And it's also imminent danger for us as a nation. Uh, so I will talk again soon, I hope. And uh, I don't know if it'll be better circumstances, but I look forward to it. Sandy Rios in the morning, AFR Talk. The Invest in America Act sounds great, but it hides an attack on our First Amendment right to religious liberty. It contains provisions of the Equality Act that would give special privileges based on sexual orientation and gender identity. We've already seen Christian businesses attacked by the LGBTQ, and this would empower their agenda. What's worse, 17 Republican senators have voted to advance the bill. Please contact your senators and urge them to vote no on H.R. 3684. Go to AFA.net. Hello, I'm Don Hawkins, here to tell you about Encouragement Live, 55 minutes of industrial strength radio encouragement featuring resourceful guests plus practical biblical insights to help you face life's challenges. 
we'll be taking your phone calls. So plan to join us for Encouragement Live, Saturdays at 7.05 p.m. Central, 8.05 p.m. Eastern, here on American Family Radio. Everyone who practices sin also practices lawlessness, and sin is lawlessness. My name is Abraham Hamilton III, and this is the Hamilton Minute. Chicago police officer Ella French and her partner pulled over a car for expired plates. One of the two suspects exited the vehicle with a drink in one hand and a cell phone in the other. He refused repeated instructions to put those items down. He then pulled a 22 caliber handgun from his waistband and fired several shots, hitting and killing 29-year-old officer French with a single shot to the head and hitting her partner in the shoulder and right eye. Note to all you defund the police quacks. There's no such thing as a routine traffic stop. Listen each weekday from 5 to 6 p.m. Central for the Hamilton Corner or visit the podcast page at AFR.net for more from Abraham Hamilton III, public policy analyst for the American Family Association. You know, if you feel like you're stuck with a health care plan that isn't affordable or you simply don't like it, Right now is a great time to switch to MediShare. The typical family saves $500 a month when they join MediShare. And what's more, they like it. MediShare has double the customer satisfaction rate compared to the typical health insurance plan. That's double. So you get a massive network of providers to choose from. You get telehealth services. And MediShare is the most trusted name in healthcare sharing. It's been around for more than 25 years, shared more than $4 billion in healthcare bills. Here's why now really is the time to make the switch, too. You can start saving each month, which is huge, but right now they'll waive your joining fee. So you'll save another $170 right off the bat. But again, it's a limited time offer. You got to call now. And it only takes two minutes to find out how much you'd save by switching. Here's the number 833 Bible. That's 833 Bible. 833 Bible. This is Frank Gaffney with the Secure Freedom Minute. Joe Biden has repeatedly boasted that America is back. It turns out we're back to the 1970s when, thanks to ill-advised democratic policies he supported, we abandoned allies in Vietnam and Iran. What some are calling a failure of intelligence that has resulted in a cascading and ongoing series of disasters in Afghanistan is really a product of further unintelligent, yea, inane policy decisions by Biden and whoever is actually running the wrecking operation that passes for his administration. Millions of people in Afghanistan, and especially women and girls, will bear the immediate costs of the current absence of competent U.S. leadership, but make no mistake, ultimately, so will we here at home. To cite but one example, we have handed Sharia supremacists a decisive victory that will embolden them and our other enemies. Expect more jihadism and aggression worldwide and aimed at us. This is Frank Gaffney. Sandy Rios in the morning on American Family Radio. Right now, without getting into a battlefield assessment every day, I don't want to do that. Uh, uh, but... Uh, there, uh, Kabul is not uh, right now um, uh, in an um, imminent threat environment. But clearly, David, uh, if you just look at what the Taliban's been doing, uh, you can see that they are trying to isolate Kabul. Now, what they want to do if they achieve that isolation, I think only they can speak to. 
but you can see a certain uh, effort uh, to, to isolate Kabul. It is not unlike the way they've operated in other places of the okay, country, that's isolating. Uh, that's all. That's it. That's all we need to know. That's um, John Kirby, the press secretary for the Pentagon. Ka- that was on Friday. Kabul is not right now in any imminent threat environment. <laughs> so, yeah, so like 24 hours later, 36 hours later, the uh, Taliban is in the palace in Kabul, completely overrun. The, the airport is overrun. People are trying to get out, and helicopters are trying to evacuate people. But, hey, listen, you can trust our leaders. You can trust uh, Lloyd Austin uh, and uh, Mark Milley, the uh, Pentagon Joint Chiefs of Staff. I, yesterday it occurred to me, I thought of a new uh, name to give them. They are the Ebony and Ivory of Foolishness. Yeah, the ebony and ivory of foolishness, as I said often, has nothing to do with color or race. It has to do with character, which they lack, and maybe intelligence, which they seem to lack. How could they be concentrating on critical race theory and LGBTQ rights in the Pentagon and pulling this kind of a disastrous intervention in Afghanistan? How could they, and how could they be ordering five, 6,000 more troops to go back in when there's no infrastructure to support their return, putting them in danger? How could they? These are the people that are leading us. I don't know how we got to that. And um, it, sometimes, some people, uh, as I understand it, are actually criticizing our military leadership for the first time because they've been like the crown jewel of the left. And so some people are maybe, it's not going down with them so well. As a matter of fact, Jake Tapper yesterday interviewed the Secretary of State, Tony Blanken, and I'm only going to play for you Jake's questions. The reason I'm playing these is I want you to see, my, how the mood has changed. Let's listen. Secretary Blinken, as you know, the Taliban has closed in on Kabul. We're evacuating the embassy, burning documents. Biden increased troops deploying to the country twice in three days just to rescue those there. This is not just about the overall idea of leaving Afghanistan. This is about leaving hastily and ineptly Secretary Blinken, how did President Biden get this so wrong? You cited the the May 1st deadline uh, negotiated uh, by the Trump administration. You did blow back, blow through that deadline. We did have troops uh, there after uh, May 1st. Um, But I think, again, the issue here is not just the withdrawal of U.S. forces. It's how they were withdrawn. Uh, The the rapidity, the the hastiness. President Obama's former ambassador to Afghanistan, Ryan Crocker, he called the way this was done, quote, a handover to the Taliban and, quote, we have hung them out to dry about the Afghan people. People, Crocker continued, quote, I'm left with some grave questions in my mind about Biden's ability to lead our nation as commander in chief to have read this so wrong or even worse, to have understood what was likely to happen and not care, unquote. Does President Biden not bear the blame for this disastrous exit from Afghanistan? Well, the idea of uh, them, the force not being able to defend, I mean, what a lot of experts believe, uh, and you can disagree with this if you want, is that uh, having U.S. air support, having U.S. intelligence there to help the Afghan troops on the ground is what stiffens their spine, enables them uh, to do what they do. And that's part of the larger issue about whether or not the U.S. should have left behind any sort of residual force. But, but beyond that is, again, the question of how poorly this was done. The idea that President Biden ordered 2,500 service members out and now is sending up to 5,000 service members back in, does that not on its face 
show that the ex- that the exit was ineptly planned. And again, look, you told me a few months ago on this program that you thought it was entirely likely that the Taliban would be taking over the country. But President Biden, just last month, quote, the likelihood there's going to be the Taliban overrunning everything and owning the whole country is highly unlikely. He was wrong. That's Jake Tapper on CNN uh, quizzing the Secretary of State, Tony Blanken. And Tony's like, uh, you know, you could just see, honestly, I don't know him. I can't defend him except to say what a horrible position to be in to try to defend uh, the decisions that this administration is making. And, uh, and maybe he's helping them make. I felt he was uncomfortable when he met with the Chinese leaders. I sense, <laughs> I could be totally wrong about this. This is my sense, which is worth not a whole, a whole lot. But he seems like a decent person. He seems like surely he has a conscience, at least, and not comfortable. And Jake Tapper is with CNN. That, I think, is really interesting. And then yesterday, also, Phil Rucker, who was with the Washington Post, the Washington Post, the, uh, you know, the, uh, the confirmed enemy, really, of anything Trumpian and anything um, and fully embracing the left. Phil Rucker, Washington Post, was talking about Afghanistan, and this is what he said. And what's amazing is President Biden ran for office as the foreign policy expert, decades of service in the Senate Foreign Relations Committee. And yet look at how uh, poorly planned this seems to be right now. It is a calamity playing out hour by hour on television. And You know, uh, Bob Gates, who was the uh, secretary of defense for Barack Obama, when he stepped down, wrote this book. And, and one of the things he wrote in his book, and someone mentioned this earlier, maybe on another clip, or maybe I just read it. I've read so many things I can't remember. But uh, Bill Ga- uh, Bob Gates made the observation that Joe Biden got every single thing wrong on foreign policy. Everything. He had a front row seat to it, and he was wrong on everything. So here we are. This is Joe Biden. But I want to remind all of you, at least, aren't you glad? Aren't you relieved we don't have any more mean tweets? I, You know, that would be so much worse than Afghanistan falling and people running for their lives and helicopters trying to get some out and people being beheaded so much better because, you know, mean tweets are really mean. And so we don't have President Trump and his mean tweets. We have Joe Biden, inept, unqualified, senile, surrounded by rabid leftists, controlling the narrative, controlling what's happening, happy to see the country destroyed. And this is who you voted for. When you thought you were getting rid of the mean tweets, when some of you didn't like Donald Trump because he wasn't nice sometimes, he didn't say things carefully, he had a bad past, I don't know, you fill in the blank. This is what you got. This is what you got. You thought, man, you were going to get rid of that uh, Donald Trump with all of his embarrassing, you know, behavior, his, uh, the names he called people, that, that was much worse than what we're seeing now, right? So I just, yes, I have to pause to say that because that is why we're in this mess. When we have had fights with our family and friends for supporting Donald Trump, I just want all of you to remember this is why we supported him, because we understood that his policies were solid. His policies were solid. They were American. They were strong. They were protective. They were moral. Uh, this is not what we're seeing now. We're seeing the opposite of that, and that we got what we asked for. We got what many of you asked for, many churches, many pastors, 
oh, no, they couldn't support Donald Trump. Oh, that was embarrassing because of his mean tweets or the names he called people. And this is what we got because of your lack of judgment, because of your lack of discernment. All right, so CNN. Interesting. They sent a woman, a woman with, a, you know, a, I, I don't know, I don't even know her name. She was embedded with the Taliban in the first place. Why would you put a woman embedded in a Taliban? That is like disconnected from reality already. Nevertheless, they did. And she had some very, very important observations about the things that really matter. And, you know, having a reasoned discussion, she interviews one of the, one of the uh, t- um, Taliban leaders, and this is what it sounded like. Clip 7. Since the U.S. began its withdrawal in May, the militants have advanced across the country at an alarming rate on the back of American pickup trucks. On the Ghazni Highway, we pass base after base, all flying the militants' flag. At the Andar Bazaar, it's a similar sight. The days of underground insurgency are over. And the Taliban is poised to reestablish the very emirate America once came to destroy. But Taliban Governor Maulavi Kamil insists the group has changed since then. The difference between that Taliban and this Taliban is that the Taliban of 2001 were new. And now this Taliban is experienced, disciplined. Our activities are going well. We are obeying our leaders. A lot of people are concerned that if the Taliban takes power again, women's rights will move backwards. How can you guarantee that women's rights will be protected? We assure this to people all over the world, especially the people of Afghanistan. Islam has given rights to everyone equally. Women have their own rights. How much Islam has given rights to women, we will give them that much. Our enemies must just think we are the laughing stock of the world. Of all the things to ask, she wants to talk about the treatment of women, and he's assuring her that women will be treated well. Well, he actually didn't say that. When you listen carefully, he said they'll be treated something in accordance with Islamic law or something like that, where everyone have rights. Yeah, we know. We know what kind of rights. I've got an article in my hands here uh, that recounts this from the Wall Street Journal. Uh, that um, executions, forced marriages, uh, uh, women. I have a story that I read this morning about a couple of women being shot in the head. They were um, a Shia, not Sunni, Muslim women. Yeah, so, um, but that's, you know, that women have rights. They have a right to, you know, be the uh, slave wives of the Taliban, and they have a right I'm not sure what other rights they have, but uh, he assured the CNN reporter, and of course that's the most important thing to her. Uh, and at the embassy in Kabul in uh, Afghanistan, it seemed like you know LGBT rights were the most important thing to them. That's why they were waving the flag. It's um, it is a bizarre. It is just so bizarre. Okay, so this is another piece that I picked up from all, um, other sources that you might not hear about. There's a credible report that the U.S. is offering sums of cash to the Taliban in order to allow the evacuation to proceed. So um, this person says this is a credible source, and uh, he hopes that the media is watching it. I'm sure they are. When they're not talking about women's rights, I'm sure they're all down with that to see if the Biden administration is offering the Taliban tons of cash to please let us go. 
please let us go so that we don't have some bad optics before he has to speak, you know, give his speech on television. I want to read to you something from someone who's very connected. I I won't give her name, but she is um, an expert on um, Iran. She says, the Afghans were not ready. The entire world knows that now. There were years when our military leaders got a pass instead of being held accountable. There should have been open and honest discussion and debate. Maybe if more people had paid attention, it would have been harder to hide. Any reckoning will have to come from outside. Military leadership has shown its dishonesty. The emperor has no clothes. With respect to how this withdrawal was executed, our military planned for contingencies. The White House knew better and ignored every hard-learned lesson, disgracing themselves and our nation in the process. I am ashamed. Twenty years of bravery, service, sacrifice, and loss ending in the most ignoble way imaginable for us and our Afghan friends who are about to be murdered by the Taliban. The scenes of chaos and terror from the airport tonight and likely in the days to come should be played against the administration's flaccid justifications. The sheer arrogance and disregard for the coming humanitarian catastrophe is beyond words. And here's a, I guess this is the cherry on the Sunday this morning. Homeland Security has posted this uh, uh, brief, this bulletin, and I, I actually... I hope to go into it at more length tomorrow. But uh, this, is, this is the bulletin. Potential terror threats, Homeland Security says. Op- people that, um, these are the categories. Opposition to COVID measures. Claims of election fraud. Belief that Trump can be reinstated. And then, the ni- and then thirdly, the 9-11 anniversary and religious holidays. So but the most, uh, the most uh, frightening terror threats to Homeland Security is opposition to COVID measures and claims of election fraud, and belief that Trump can be reinstated. Those are the most dangerous things that Homeland Security is putting their sights on. And uh, there's more to that brief that I think is pretty frightening. Uh, I think it's uh, things are get, heating up. They're getting more difficult. And um, honestly, our need to just feel the presence of God and to cling to Him. I remember that our, uh, our God is a present help in times of trouble. And uh, I know that he is, and this is going to be a time of trouble. So uh, we need to ask him for his mercy and uh, keep our eye on the prize, which is uh, the Lord Jesus and uh, our time to be with him in heaven. Sandy Rios in the morning on AFR Talk. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.